It's Tuesday, October 29th. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Million Dollar Portfolio, Mike Olson from Fool.com, David Hanson. Thanks for being here, guys. Yeah. Howdy. Um, we, we got some earnings results from Apple, from BP. We have a pretty curious story from McDonald's. I think it's curious, but we will... Um, it's actually, I don't think it is, but we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, let's start with Apple. Fourth quarter results... Revenue up 17%. They sold nearly 34 million iPhones. David, that's up 26% year over year. You look at the big numbers, they're pretty gaudy, mm-hmm. and yet the stock is flat, sort of down half a percent, that sort of thing. The market just sort of going, eh. It's, uh, Not I, surprise. Apple earnings are, are the most... They're not exciting at all because you know the business is doing great. We know that. We know they're selling tons of. What iPads. kind of world do we live in where a quarterly profit of seven and a half billion dollars is not exciting? Are we just way too jaded? I have an answer for that. Um, <laughs> I, I want to hear the answer. Let me hear so the answer. So here, here's the thing: gross margins just keep going down. It's an unfortunate reality, but Apple, despite their attempts at convincing people otherwise, they're still a consumer electronics business, and reversion to mean exists. They are continuing to have to move down that spectrum on pricing. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the business performing great, but from a stock perspective, and we're not seeing the big jumps, even though they're performing great. It's really because of what's next. I know we always talk about what's the next product, but that really is the answer here. And if you're looking for this stock, I know, I know the thought is it's so undervalued. Look at the numbers. This is so undervalued. But if they don't continue to innovate and make grounds internationally, it's not undervalued, in my opinion. So those are just the two barriers. Continue to gain ground internationally and continue to think of new products. Well, and, you know, even when you look at you, you look at the growth and profitability or lack thereof, um, and I can't really understand why this stock should sell for more than 15 times its cash flow or earnings for the very simple fact that they, for each incremental improvement they make, they're not able to increase price or they're, in fact, moving down the pricing spectrum. You saw this in the MacBooks. Um, they went ahead and rolled out a much better MacBook, or not much better, but at least incrementally improved, yep. and they cut the price. So, I mean, why am I excited about that? <laughs> I have to say, as uh, someone who's been in this studio for uh, now five years, when I talk to our colleague Ron Gross, who I respect enormously, I, I get nervous because now I hear him saying things about Apple that three, four years ago he was saying about Microsoft. You know, they make so much money. Look at how much cash they're cranking out quarter after quarter. Look at how much profit they're making. And it really does seem like at least the stock, Apple the stock, has now, a f- if, if you didn't already think it had, it had crossed the Rubicon to become the big dividend-paying stalwart, that's really what it is now, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, that's the thesis for buying this stock. And maybe part, and, and to be fair, maybe part of the thesis is, boy, 2013 was a terrible year for the stock. It's, it's bu- trailing the market by more than 20%. Mm-hmm. And so maybe part of the thesis is, uh, you know, they have a good holiday quarter. 2014 gets a little better, maybe. But I don't know. It, it really does seem like it has moved into Microsoft territory. Maybe. But personally, I, I wouldn't, if I'm looking for a dividend stock, I don't, think it's Apple. I think if you're buying Apple and you believe in the long term, you have to be focused on their innovation and their business. Yes, the dividend's nice, but you're you're giving them your money and then they're giving you back a little bit. I don't I don't really see Apple from the dividend perspective personally. I don't think it's impossible for them to continue to innovate at all. I think that'd be like 
betting against LeBron James to, to win the championship this year. They've shown that they can innovate. Yeah. So I'm not betting against right. them. I just don't think it's... Technically, a, the it's Miami Heat easy. could not win the NBA championship, but that's probably not the way to bet. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just wouldn't bet against them, but I don't think it's it's an easy bet to make in saying they're definitely going to innovate. Apple's going to be the number one consumer electronics company 15 years from now. I think it's possible, but there's also a possibility that they're not. I realize there are cultural differences here, but hello, Sony. Hello. Hi. Remember, remember your disc man. Oh yeah, that was cool. Um. <laughs> what happened to Sony? Sony made great stuff. Hey, I, we're wearing Sony headphones. Sony was. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can hear you very I, well. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when Sony made the top shelf, top of the line quality. You're getting a stereo. If you're going you, you to pay the money, I, there's no reason to go anywhere but Sony. Mm-hmm. I remember those days. I had Walkman. I was so, I was so cool. <laughs> That was a long time ago, Mike. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to shares of BP. Uh-huh. You know, Apple is is flat this morning. Shares of BP, meanwhile, hitting a fifty two week high after their third quarter results. Thirty four percent drop in profit. They're increasing their dividend. What's going on with this one? So there's a funny sort of irony in this, which is the market is effectively saying, please, just don't don't, don't spend money on anything anymore. Uh, <laughs> they announced that they're increasing their dividend, they're selling $10 billion worth of assets, and that $10 billion will in all likelihood be funneled to share repurchases. Um, and maybe that's an implicit vote of confidence for the very fact that they're saying they think their shares are undervalued. Um, I just don't really get it. They're saying that you know, once all this is said and done, they're going to do about seven billion dollars worth of free cash flow in 2014. That makes the stock at or around mm, 20 times free cash flow right now. Maybe a little bit less if you're to take the proceeds from those asset sales. They are just paying more money to pull each barrel of oil out of the ground. That's the new reality. You can't change that, um, and. I, I don't I don't understand why I'm excited about this stock right now. Quarter was actually okay, but that that forward looking bit doesn't excite me. What is the thesis for? I mean, you say you're not excited in BP. What for someone who is looking at the universe of these big oil companies? You got Exxon Mobil, obviously the biggest mm-hmm. Chevron, which is uh, roughly the same size as BP. What is the thesis for one over the other? Because as someone who owns no energy stocks, sure. if I were to make that leap, going back to David's point about the dividend, I mm-hmm. would probably go with ExxonMobil by simple virtue of the fact that they are the biggest, they are not going anywhere, and, well, I'm going to get a steady dividend performer. For people who are not in your shoes, for people who are bullish on BP, what is their case? Um, so. To, to just go ahead and borrow from your point, I am an ExxonMobil shareholder, and if there is a super major that I do want to own, it is ExxonMobil. Those guys are just obsessive about returns on invested capital. I know a guy who works there in a project manager capacity, and he is incredibly frustrated by his inability to get things done because there are so many checks and balances on returns on invested capital. <laughs> now, as a shareholder, I don't know whether I should be excited or thrilled about that. Um, We're spending way too much time on quality control. That's, so, that's what that sounds like. But and, and you know, I also like them for the fact that they have upside from higher natural gas prices. About half of their production mix is natural gas. Uh, your thesis on BP, if you are continuing to own it, is just that things are a little bit less ugly than they are. 
maybe you get a little bit of upside from that TNK BP Rosneft deal, which they effectuated about a year ago now. Um, I'm sorry. What was that word? Effectuated? Yes. Come on, Chris. Everyone knows that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Completed. There you go. Help Um, me out here. Sorry. (laughs) I I jumped the bandwagon right there. Um, And I guess the other thing is, you know, they do have some nice deep water prospects, but yet again, that's one of these things where you look at a stock that's selling at a single digit multiple to earnings, and that's not altogether unjustified because all they're going to do is grow production at a single digit clip, low single digit clip. And those costs are going to grow at an ever-increasing rate. Do you have any energy in your portfolio, or you're just you're just a bank and financial services not, guy? Not too you, much you energy. Stick to your knitting. I don't. I don't own BP or, or Exxon or any any of the big guys out there. The one thing I'll say about BP that some people might be wondering is what's the deal with, with the legal situation? Is that finally getting wrapped up? Yeah. And I was talking to Joel South, our energy analyst. And he said we're probably in the bottom of the eighth here. It's yeah. getting close. Getting I mean, very certainly close, the, so. we, we, we have a much greater degree of transparency. And, you know, where somebody might have said a year or however many years ago that there was a possibility you were going to have good BP, bad BP, outlaw Citigroup or something mm-hmm. like that. That's not going to happen at this point. And, uh, you know, they will survive. And in, in fairness, I think they're actually better for that. They're better in two ways. First, obviously, this was an organization that was just completely muddled in terms of the organizational controls. And secondarily, it forced them to actually get smaller. Um, And I think that focus is going to be better for them as an organization looking forward. Which gets wrapped up first, this case for BP or countrywide for Bank of America? BP. It's, it's BP. <laughs> yeah. Mm. My grandkids are going to be talking about Countrywide still. They're going to be like, oh, man, Mozilla, that guy. You can follow. His tan is unbelievable. <laughs> it, it, it is That's what they're going to be talking about. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at MarketFoolery is our Twitter handle. Uh, got a tweet. Question from one of our listeners, uh, Jaman Andreessen, uh, who wrote, question, is this the worst reason ever to end a business relationship? And he included a link to a story about McDonald's. The fact that McDonald's is dropping Heinz ketchup because uh, the new CEO at Heinz is Bernardo Hees. Before being the new CEO at Heinz, he was uh, the CEO over at Burger King. That's it? The the guy who used to be our competitor is now the head of our partner? And by the way, a 40-year business relationship that McDonald's has had with Heinz, and now they're winding it down? This seems like... You know, the old Godfather line, it's business, not personal. This seems incredibly personal. Also also news, McDonald's has filed to become a sixth-grade girl here. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how they're approaching their business now. Uh, you're not invited to my birthday party anymore. So I guess that's the strategy they're taking. Right. This is, this is basically like the thing where, you know, when a five-year-old kid has done some grave injustice and all of a sudden his knees appear to, like, fall out from under him, under him and he's crying on the floor. Uh, the reality, though, is... I, you know, when you think about McDonald's and the, this sort of obsessively competitive and secretive culture that they they keep, and you know the way they test product and everything else, and everything is part and parcel to the next, they are just not going to do business with anyone who is perceived to be anything close to a competitor. It's interesting, and the first thought was. Wow, this is kind of a blow to Heinz here. I mean, McDonald's, that's a huge global brand. They're, are they losing a lot of revenue here? And I actually looked to see if they called out McDonald's in their filings as a huge customer for, right. for credit reasons. Uh, and they were not called out. They had one customer that was around 10% of their revenue. 
So I'll ask you a trivia question. And I did this on Where the Money Is, my podcast yesterday, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> and, and Matt Kopenef actually got the answer. So what is the one client that Heinz has that makes up 10% of their Walmart. Revenue? Guess? I'm going to go with Yum Brands. It is Walmart. Walmart. Uh, that was right. the easy answer. I mean, and sometimes for Occam's you, Razor. Sometimes, for a smart guy like you. $300 billion company. It doesn't make, I don't need to be smart to make that guess. So there you go. So McDonald's maybe. Maybe not a huge deal to Heinz. It's probably a maybe a couple of percentage points of revenue, but I think they'll I think they'll survive. Well, I already told you earlier today my first reaction to this story when I read it, which was, "Well, what are you going to do for ketchup now? Who else makes ketchup? Hunts? Mm-hmm. What? Well, I, 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 it's going to be just a sugary, horrible alternative, right? Too starchy. I look at. I'm not a big ketchup guy, but. I look at Heinz as the only option. Yeah, yes, sure, there are other ketchups out there. But come know. on, it's it's Heinz. It's, it's worrisome. It's worrisome. Heinz I'll is also – they're, they're innovators. Are there. They're the ones that made that, that peel-back packet. Instead of having to rip it open, that revolutionized ketchup. Right I there. mean, how many, was, time, how many times did you squirt ketchup on yourself when you had the like normal thing? Every time. And then you got every that time. thing. I'm – I'm pretty sure it won like the Nobel Prize last year, and the, or it should have. And the upside, yeah, that's true. the upside down bottle, putting the cap on the bottom. It's genius. How, I mean, how long, how long was that war waged within the walls of Heinz? How Nobody long, likes sticking the knife in the ketchup. How the long was someone just? And saying, then you got to hit the fifty-seven, <laughs> but you feel kind of stupid because you're not hitting it just right. It's I a mean, mess. Yeah, that's bad. Then you start using words like effectuated to make yourself <laughs> feel better. Um, it's the perfect way to end. Mike Olson, David Hens, and guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That does it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.